Good morning. Today is Wednesday, September 30th, 2020. So um, we have some changes in the rules as we approach Sukkos with not a lot of warning. And I want to share briefly a little bit of Sukkah information. And then I have some other things to share with you again very briefly. So first of all, Whatever you are planning, if you do have a sukkah, it makes sense to try to make a sukkah with more ventilation, as much ventilation as possible. Again, I want to make it very clear. I'm only talking about following all of the guidelines. I'm not talking about avoiding or looking for a loophole or a leniency. I'm talking about following the guidelines all completely to the detail, being stringent about it, but within that, you may want to increase ventilation in your sukkah. Here's the good news. The good news is it's quite easy to do. Here's the less good news. It's a little bit complicated for me to explain it to you. But here's the, be the, the next good news. I would be happy to help you. So if you're putting up a sukkah and you would like recommendations on how to be able to increase the ventilation in your sukkah, call me. You'll send me some photos. We'll talk about it. I'll come over. I would be happy to show you how to be able to increase ventilation in your sukkah. There are lots of halakhically acceptable ways to do it. Again, not as a way of getting around or a loophole against the restrictions and guidelines. Within the restrictions and guidelines, I can help you do that. Number two, if you have not built a sukkah before, this is the year to do it. So if you would like help, in how to design and get an easy sukkah, please call me. I would be happy to guide you, to help you. I'll come over and help you build it, um, whatever it takes. But um, it's a lot of fun. If you have not put up a sukkah before, it's a lot of fun. And, um, and this is the year to do it because this year it appears you will, if you do not have a sukkah, you're not going to be able to be invited over to anybody else's house, according to the guidelines. And also, it's not clear that there's going to be any public option. I am working on the possibility of some type of public sukkah, but I don't yet know if it's feasible and I don't yet know if it will fall into the proper guidelines. So it's something that I'm working on, but I don't yet have uh, details about that. I do hope to have further halachic guidance for those without a sukkah, uh, what to do, uh, especially on the first two days. I hope to have that guidance for you uh, soon. This is a little bit miscellaneous, but uh, I just want to put everything together. So I do want to make an announcement that uh, according to the guidelines so far, we are allowed to have synagogue services and we are currently holding services in our tent with a maximum of 25 people. But remember, ah, we have two tents. So we have the capacity now to have 50 people, 25 in each sukkah. So please come for davening if you're comfortable to come. We have all the precautions in place. And here's a change. Starting this Shabbos, we will be davening every Shabbos morning and every Yom Tov morning at 9.15 a.m. We have been davening earlier, but as it starts to get cooler, it makes sense to daven a little bit later in the day to make use of the warmth that we're going to have in the middle of the day. So again, starting the Shabbos, 9.15 a.m. There's plenty of room for everybody. We can split into two services. Please join us.
Very, very briefly, many of us will be facing Sukkos with far fewer people in our Sukkah even than we thought last Sunday. And uh, because of the new restrictions that at least I learned about Sunday night after Yom Kippur, um, so uh, many more of us will be uh, one in a sukkah, two in a sukkah, uh, just the people at that address. So here are a couple of very quick suggestions. Number one, many people have something called a digital frame. It's an electric device that looks like a picture frame and you can load it with photos of your family, your friends. It's a wonderful thing. Here's a suggestion. Load it up with photos of your family from all over the world, all over the country, or all over the city that you're not able to see on, on, on Sukkos, and have it running on a loop, and you'll be able to, even if you're sitting by yourself in a sukkah or at the dining room table, you can be able to see your family members and remember your memories, and um, it might be a very nice thing to do. Another idea, it takes a little bit of coordination. If you do have children, or grandchildren that you're not going to be able to see on Sukkos, ask them to draw you a drawing or to make a picture for you or to send a photo that you can then print out and put on your Sukkah wall. And maybe you can do something and send to them and put on their Sukkah wall. So while they're in the Sukkah, or even if they're not in the Sukkah, just at home, again, a reminder of, uh, of uh, all of our family members that we're not together with. Lastly, I, um, the next idea I want to mention is... Uh, and I'm planning this as well, uh, set up a family Zoom an hour before Sukkot on Friday afternoon. So again, wherever you are, could be different parts of the country. Some of us will have to do it earlier in the day if we have kids in Israel. So whatever time it's going to be, set up a family Zoom, let everybody see each other's Sukkot, let everybody say hello to each other, and be able to get together before Yom Tov starts. Lastly, I will be sending out an email hopefully later today as we go into this new period, if there is anything that you need that I can provide, first of all, any kind of resource that would be helpful to you, please let me know and I will provide it. Or if there is any assistance that you need, or you know of someone who needs to go get some groceries, to go pick some, up something from the pharmacy, any kind of need that there is, we have the volunteers ready to go on those errands, to make those calls, to do all that, we are ready. Please, if you or anyone you know needs anything, please call me directly, email me directly. We would be honored to take care of it. The last thing I'm gonna say about this is, as I mentioned before, the topic of my Thursday night class is planned to be how to have safely a full sukkah on Sukkos. Um, this uh, last Thursday night, I talked about what to do all day, Yom Kippur, and I will say this to you. I don't always follow my own advice, um, but this time uh, I followed a little bit of my advice and I found some of the things that I said actually made some sense and uh, it was very helpful to me um, and, and, and made it very meaningful to me. And I hope that I will be able to share some insights on Thursday night 7 p.m. Remember, we moved back this October 1st, Thursday night, 7 p.m. Not 8, but 7 p.m. Um, suggestions and ways to understand the essence of Sukkos that will make Sukkos 
in our sukkah, very, very much more enjoyable, or even if we're not in a sukkah, also very much more meaningful and enjoyable. Okay. Um, there's a little bit of a miscellaneous category now, but somehow, right after Yom Kippur, uh, two stories came to me. Miscellaneous, different subjects, but they both happen to be about World War II. And they're both incredible stories. And um, I want to share them with you. Roddy Edmonds was a U U.S. Army Master Sergeant from Tennessee. I don't know if he was from Memphis, Tennessee, but he's from Tennessee. I'll have to look that up. He fought in World War II in the Battle of the Bulge, 1944. Roddy and 1,000 of his men were captured by the Nazis and they were sent to a Stalag POW camp. When they arrived, the camp commander, a Nazi, ordered Roddy, who was the officer in charge, he ordered him to separate out the Jewish soldiers. Now, by 1944, Roddy understood that separating out the Jewish soldiers would mean that they would be killed immediately. The others were POWs, prisoners of war, subject to the Geneva Convention, subject to certain level of treatment. I mean, what can you expect from Nazis to begin with? But, but it was a different level of treatment. But he knew what would happen to the Jews. Rodney told his men, 1,000 men, he said, men, we're not going to obey this order. And then he turned around to the commander, to the Nazi commander, and he said, commander, we are 1,000 soldiers. We are all Jewish. Now, the Nazi was furious because he knew that they were not all Jewish. So he took out his pistol. He held it to Roddy's forehead. And he said, you tell me the names of the Jews or I shoot. And Roddy said to him, we are all Jews. And if you want to kill any Jew, you'll have to kill all 1,000 of us. And if you kill 1,000 of us, you will be a war criminal and you will face the death penalty for your war crimes. The Nazi commander backed down and the 200 soldiers, American soldiers who were Jewish, their lives were saved. Their lives were saved by this master sergeant with a gun pointed at his forehead from a man who certainly would not hesitate to use it to say we are all Jews. Now here's the amazing thing. Roddy never told anyone about this. His family never knew this story. No publicity about this. In 1985, Roddy Edmonds died. His children, when they went through his possessions, found a diary that he had kept from his years in the war. And the diary consisted mostly of the names and ID numbers 
of the soldiers that he served with. They, the, the children, Roddy's children, started searching for those names. And finally, they found Lester Tanner. Lester Tanner had, be, had become a prominent lawyer in New York after the war. And they found an article, a newspaper article, about Lester Tanner, where he said this story. He said his life had been saved in World War II because of his commander, Roddy Edmonds, who was willing to face down a bullet from a Nazi commander rather than to give up the Jewish soldiers. Then the children started contacting the other people who were in the unit, and they heard the same story from others. And that's the only way they knew about this. And they brought this finally to the attention of Yad Vashem, and Roddy Edmonds was honored by Yad Vashem to have his name listed on the wall of the righteous among the nations. And here's something interesting. I did not know this. There are 26,000 non-Jews who saved Jews during the Holocaust who have been honored. I'm sure there are others, but 26,000 approximately who have been honored in this manner by Yad Vashem. Roddy Edmonds is the only United States serviceman on that list. So, Yashikayach Taradi Edmonds, and may his memory be a blessing for the tremendous risk to his life and the mitzvahs that he did. Okay, one more, another story. So, this is a story written by a woman, I don't know her, her name is Amy Olson. And this is a story, she's a Jewish woman. Uh, this is an excerpt of a letter that her father wrote on October 4, 1944, describing his Yom Kippur experience as a soldier stationed in Europe. He fought for the U.S. Army. And so the first paragraph, I assume he was in some aspect of intelligence because he starts off, I can't tell you what I'm doing and I can't tell you where I am and, and, and there's, you know, but, but here's, the, here's what I can tell you. He says it's Erev Yom Kippur and um, at the last minute we were told that there was going to be arranged Yom Kippur davening for the Jewish soldiers and it was just arranged at the last minute. The problem was that there were Jewish soldiers that were able to gather. There was even a few Orthodox young men who, who were able to lead the davening, to say the prayers, to lead the davening. The chaplain, who was in fact a rabbi, was not able to be there. And the words are a little cryptic. So let me just say, it's clear that there was a very, very strong reason why he was not able to be there. And I do not know what it is. Okay, he was not there. But he describes this Yom Kippur somewhere and they had no rabbi, but they did have a Catholic chaplain and his name was Father Laletta. So Father Laletta came up to 
this man who was the highest ranking officer at this service. And he said, I understand that your chaplain is not here. I understand I'm Catholic. We're not the same religion. But I did learn a little bit about Yom Kippur when I went to divinity school. And if you would allow me, I would be happy to deliver a sermon. <laughs> so he said, sure, we would love to have your sermon. And he said it was amazing. He said, this Catholic chaplain, he said he explained the meaning of the holiday. He talked about the role of fasting and what it means in the Jewish tradition. He urged the soldiers to observe as much of the holiday as they could under the circumstances of battle and danger, etc. And he finished by urging his soldiers to cling forever and firmly to the tenets of our faith. What an amazing example of how human beings can respect each other under those circumstances. Oh yes, he adds in his letter at the last line. And I was thinking about that this in our circumstance, different but not so different. Oh yes, our synagogue, our synagogue was a green grass near some tall trees, an entirely fitting setting to pray to our Creator. We were also standing among the trees praying to our Creator. Okay, one last story and then I'm finished. For today. This story is closer to home. So one of the um, privileges I have in my life is the opportunity to work on the subject of conversion. And one of the aspects of that is uh, we do conversions for people in Ottawa. And through that, I had the incredible privilege uh, and opportunity to meet and to know a number of the rabbis in Ottawa, wonderful, wonderful people, and I have relationships with them and tremendous um, admiration for them. And um, it's really, it's an amazing, it's an amazing community and there are wonderful rabbis there. So here's a story that I read right after Yom Kippur. Now the story was told by Rabbi Chaim Boyarsky. Rabbi Chaim Boyarsky, who was the son of of Professor Boyarsky, who lives from Mont in Montreal, and Chaim is from Montreal. He is the rabbi of the Chabad on campus in downtown Ottawa, and he's a wonderful person, and, and we have do a lot of work together. And then there's another rabbi that I know. His name is Rabbi Chaim Mendelssohn. Rabbi Mendelssohn is the rabbi of Chabad Centerpoint. That's another Chabad in a different neighborhood. Okay, here's the story. Story goes like this. It's Sunday before Yom Kippur, 3 p.m., and there were strong winds. This is Rabbi Biarski telling this story. Strong winds. They broke two of their tents. So imagine, Sunday afternoon, 3 p.m., all your davening is in a tent, and the te two tents fall down. Now, I can relate to this because we were dealing with issues with our tents late in the afternoon. They didn't blow down, but we had other issues that we're dealing with. Now, then the company that was supposed to come to install the lighting came because we were missing two tents. And I'll tell you, relates to me because we were dealing with problems in our lighting in our tents 
the afternoon as Yom Kippur was approaching. And thank God, because of our president, Andrei Zoldan, we fixed it. But I can relate to this. So they had no tents, but they had somebody coming to put up the, the lights, but they didn't have the tents to put up the lights in. So Rabbi Biarski called all the handy men he knew, but no one wanted to come on such short notice. They had to come right away, and it was a Sunday. He couldn't get everyone to ha couldn't get anyone to come, and they were predicting rain. It's not like you could just say, "Forget about the tent; we'll just dive in outside." You wouldn't be able to dive in. Then he called the light company that was supposed to come to him later to put in the lights, and he said, "Listen, I know you're coming to put up the lights, but could you?" help us with the tent. I mean, whatever it is, you have a ladder, you, you know something about tents, whatever it is, we'll, we'll do it together. Can you come and, and put up the tents? So the lighting company, and we too, we had one tent company and one lighting company. It's two separate companies. So the lighting company said, um, sorry, we cannot come to help you with your tent because we are right now putting up the lighting in Chabad center point, Rabbi Mendelssohn's sukkah. And if we don't get that work done, he will have no lights. Now let's just understand this. To have a tent with no lights for Kol Nidre and Ne'ilah means you have, most people do not know the prayers by heart. That means, I don't know what kind of a davening you can have, but it certainly is a, a, a big, big problem not to have any light in the sukkah. So the lighting company says, listen, we'd love to help you out, Rabbi Biarski, but we have to put up the lights for Rabbi Mendelssohn. And we don't think we're even going to finish the lights with Rabbi Mendelssohn until the holiday is about to start, much less come over to you and to help you with your sukkah and to put up your lights. There's no way to do it. Rabbi Mendelssohn, the Chabad of Centerpoint rabbi, heard about this, he called the lighting company and he said to them, before you come to put up lights in my sukkah, you go to Bayarsky's sukkah and help him put it up. It's more important that everybody should have, I'm, I, I, I'm sorry, I keep using the word sukkah. I'm not talking about sukkah, I'm talking about tent, a tent for Yom Kippur. It's more important that everybody should have a tent, even if I don't have lights. Can you imagine that? A rabbi of a place that's full would be say, I'm willing to give up. There's no light. No one's going to be able to pray. So you can come into the tent, but you're not going to be able to pray if there's no lights. And a rabbi is willing to give that up so that somebody else should have a tent, even though they themselves also will not have a light. What an amazing act of kindness and compassion and selflessness. Now it happens that I know both of these two men and I'm not surprised by either of them. That's exactly what I would expect them to do because they are both men of sterling character. But it, again, it is a story that shows you how in the most challenging of times, we rise to the occasion and we become the best versions of ourselves. I wish that for you. I wish that for me. And I wish you a good day. Have a wonderful day. I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.